You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Useless Information Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. You've probably never heard of Philo Farnsworth, but when he was 14 years old, he invented electronic television. I mean, what were you doing at the age of 14? I certainly wasn't doing that. Anyway, it'd still be a number of years before he perfected the idea, but his ingenious method was the basis of all television broadcasts until the introduction of digital television in the 1990s. This recording was first released on February 5th of 2008, and I've left it unedited. That's warts and all. Now, my wife commented that I sounded very young back then, which of course I was, but the poor quality of the microphone only accentuated my youthful voice. Anyway, let's take a listen. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story is on Philo Farnsworth. In fact, I like the story so much that I named my cat Farnsworth. But before we get to today's story, let's talk about today's question of the day. My question for you today has to do with a product that we use all the time. That is laundry detergent. Whether you use the powdered form or the liquid form, you may have noticed that most laundry detergents are actually blue in color. And my question for you today is, why are they blue? Why not make green or yellow or orange or hot pink? Why are most laundry detergents blue? And I'll answer that question for you at the end of the podcast. And now for today's story on Philo Farnsworth, a man that you've probably never heard of, but I would guess that he's had a really big impact on your life. In fact, uh, I think many people would argue he's had a bigger impact on more people's lives than just about anybody else. Now, Philo Farnsworth was born on August 19, 1906, to kind of give this a time frame. He was born in Indian Creek, Utah, and lived in a log cabin with no electricity. In fact, he lived there until he was 12 years old, and his family uh, moved to Idaho. And for the first time in his life, he had electricity. And when he went up in the attic, he had found some science and radio magazines which really, really caught his attention. you got to imagine, here's the first time he ever had electricity, and here are magazines describing the future of science and radio. And he just read them over and over and over again and just, you know, absorbed all that information. And he learned about a new technology that was up and coming, something that they were calling television. Now, at this time, they were using a mechanical system. Uh, particularly in England, and these involve some spinning discs, and you know anything mechanical will break down. Philo felt there had to be a better way. Young Philo knew that they were just barking up the wrong tree. There, a, a mechanical means was not the way to go. So one day, when he was 14 years old, he actually figured out the solution, a better way to create television. It was while he was plowing his family's potato field. He was going back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden it hit him. All he needs to do is take a cathode ray tube, which is basically just a beam of electrons, negative charges, and get it to move back and forth, back and forth, up and down, just like he was plowing the field. And if you could just turn that beam on and off, you could actually generate an image. 
young father was so excited about his idea that he just had to share it with someone. He had to tell someone who could actually look at it and tell whether or not it was a good idea or not. And that person just happened to be his ninth grade chemistry teacher, a guy named Justin Tolman. So he went into school and drew all the diagrams on the chalkboard, drew some other diagrams on paper, and Tolman thought it could actually work. Of course, when you're 14 years old, having a great idea and actually having the skills and the money to build it are two totally different stories. It wasn't until 1925 when Philo moved to Los Angeles that he was able to get the financial backing to actually see if he could develop electronic television. Now, you got to realize at this time you couldn't go to the local radio shack and buy parts off the shelf. They just didn't exist. You had to actually create every part by hand. And he did this over and over and over again, blowing his own tubes and making his own electronic parts. But on September 7, 1927, about two years later, he actually made the first transmission of electronic television. Now, you're probably thinking, you know, what did he show? Was it Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or something like that? Nope, it was just a thick, straight line that he had drawn on a piece of glass. He just transmitted a line. And then he walked out to the people who were watching and said, and this is a quote, there you are, electronic television. He probably didn't realize it at the time, but those five words really changed the world forever. Now you could have actual pictures coming into your home. It didn't take long for word of Farnsworth's success to reach a guy named David Sarnoff, who just happened to be the head of the biggest radio company in the world, RCA, the Radio Corporation of America. Now, Sarnoff had just recently hired a guy named Vladimir Zworkin, who had worked previously at Westinghouse. And while he was at Westinghouse, Zworkin had obtained a patent for electronic television, just like Farnsworth was working on. But Zworkin had only figured out how to get the receiver to work, had actually received the images, but he had not figured out how to get the camera to work, how to actually capture the image before it was sent through the air. Now, if you were Sarnoff and you were running RCA, one of the biggest corporations in the world, and you knew that television was the future and your team of engineers couldn't get it to work, what would you do? Well, I guess you have two choices. One is you could just give up and lose, or you could go and steal it. And that's exactly what Sarnoff chose to do. He actually sends work into Farnsworth's laboratory, where Farnsworth told him exactly how everything worked. Of course, then Zworkin came back to RCA, and their team at R- the team at RCA actually created their own system. And it just happened to be very, very, very similar to the one that Farnsworth had created. As you could have probably predicted, this whole thing ended up in court. Where do these things always end up? In court. And of course, you would think that Farnsworth would be suing RCA for infringing on his patents. But no, RCA actually turned around and sued Farnsworth for infringing on their patents, claiming that they had invented electronic television first. RCA kept this case in court for years, and Farnsworth, being a small guy, really stood no chance against this big behemoth of RCA. The odds were against him. But he had one little ace up his sleeve, and that just happened to be his ninth grade chemistry teacher. Remember Justin Tolman, the guy that he told the original idea to? Well, Tolman came into court and described exactly what Farnsworth had shown him while he was in ninth grade, and Farnsworth won the case. Even though RCA lost the case, they still went on to the 1939's World Fair and introduced to the world their new creation, something they created in their laboratories called electronic television. And even to this day, they claim that they invented electronic television. Now, they were actually forced to pay Farnsworth a royalty for every set that they produced. So you would think that Farnsworth would have become a very, very, very wealthy man. But it didn't quite work out that way. 
Unfortunately for Farnsworth, World War II broke out, and the United States government put a halt to the development of electronic television. They were focused on the war effort, and when the war was over, of course, Farnsworth and RCA could then resume the development of television. But by that point, most of Farnsworth's key patents had expired, and he got very little money from the development of television. Farnsworth was pretty much forgotten by 1957 when he appeared as Dr. X on the show What's My Line? Bill Cullen actually turned to Farnsworth and said, Is this some kind of machine that might be painful when it's used? Farnsworth responded, Yes, sometimes most painful. In exchange for being on What's My Line, he received $80 and a carton of Winston cigarettes. He went on to uh, work on the first electron microscope and actually worked a little bit on nuclear fusion, although he's not successful at it. He died in 1971 in obscurity and is basically forgotten today. So the next time someone asks me why I named my cat Farnsworth, I just have to tell him to listen to this podcast. Useless? Useful? I'll leave that for you to decide. Now today's question of the day actually is somewhat related to television. I ask you, why are most laundry detergents blue? And you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with television? Well, it's not the black and white television that Farnsworth actually invented. It is color television. Now, you may recall that I said that electronic television, the one that Farnsworth invented, used an electron beam. That was to produce black and white. Well, a color TV has three electron beams, a red, a green, and a blue. And if you mix red, green, and blue in equal amounts, you get white light. Now, if you mix red and green in equal amounts, you get yellow. And then if you add blue, you get white. Well, it turns out that cotton and other cloths turn yellow as they age. So therefore, if you add in an equal amount of blue, you will get the clothes looking like they're white, even though they are really yellow. Now, in the past, they really did add something that was blue into the detergents. It was called laundry bluing. Now, today, they use what are called optical brighteners, which basically do the same thing. They bring in ultraviolet light, they absorb ultraviolet light, and then emit blue back out. So the trick is you just got to get these optical brightness to stick to the cloth after the laundry cycle is done. And then they will absorb light and then emit blue back out. And that blue plus the yellow of the cloth gives you back white. The clothes appear white even though they really are yellow. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's story on Philo Farnsworth. It's definitely one of my favorites. If you'd like to learn more about Philo Farnsworth, be sure to get a copy of my book, Lindbergh's Artificial Heart, where I talk about Farnsworth in much greater detail, and I provide my uh, sources there. Uh, you can also check out my book, Einstein's Refrigerator, which is the first one that I wrote. Both are written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online retailers, and, of course, at your local library. If you'd like to contact me for any reason, simply drop me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. Uh, you can also check out my website at uselessinformation.org, uselessinformation.org. Thanks for listening to my story on Philo Farnsworth, and I hope you'll listen to future stories. Take care. Bye.